Hello, thanks for coming. We'll go ahead and get started. Um, my name is Caroline. I'm an occupational therapist, and I'll be presenting today. Um, I'd just like to open up in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much um, for this amazing opportunity um, to gather together to um, just share um, what we know is your heart for um, for missions. And I pray that um, this presentation would just um, be um, through your heart and your eyes um, and that uh, you would be able to touch every heart here. Um, and I know that everyone's here for a reason. Um, so whatever capacity you may be calling them to serve, that um, that would be sparked and strengthened and that we would be able to support um, and encourage each other in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so like I said, I'm an occupational therapist. I graduated from Midwestern University in Illinois, um, and I practiced for two years at an acute care hospital um, in Texas before I moved overseas to Vietnam um, and started a therapy center there for children with uh, special needs. Um, I recently returned, and right now I'm doing uh, a fellowship in occupational therapy in neurology at uh, Memorial Hermann. Um, and so for today, um, I really want this to be a time where I can try to um, give you the information that you're looking for. Um, when I first was considering medical missions, I came to this conference and I found it kind of hard to figure out uh, where are the allied health opportunities and um, where are the other allied health professionals here at this conference. So I hope this can be a time for you guys um, maybe to just think about um, this from a very specific allied health perspective. Uh, perspective um, and also connect with each other. It looks like um, some of you already know each other, which is great. But um, yeah, feel free to uh, introduce each other afterwards. And um, yeah, let's just make make a network. Um, so as far as who you guys are, is anybody here from outside the U.S. today? Raise your hand. All U.S. people? Okay. What about professions represented? You can just yell it out um, if you're a student or working professional already. Any students? Yes. Okay, cool. Any uh, therapists? Yes, yes, awesome. Okay, anybody else? Okay, awesome. Welcome. Okay. So for today, like I said, I really um, want to hopefully give you guys a perspective um, from an allied health standpoint and just understanding and, and maybe teasing out some of the things that you may be thinking are issues um, if you're thinking about going into a medical mission um, and also just figuring out what is out there and what does the mission field look like now. Um, and... I am um, pretty new to the medical mission field because I'm pretty new to my profession, um, but I think that gives me a little bit of a different perspective to share, even if you have gone on mission before, because um, I have been going through the process more recently of entering the field and just um, seeing kind of what that looks like now, whereas I know it's been changing um, over the past few years. 
So first off, why even go in the first place? Um, a medical mission versus any other type of mission. What is the point of that? What's the draw? And you already may have an idea of this and um, have maybe served already, um, but there's um, a difference between going on a short-term mission, maybe with a youth group and kind of um, plugging into whatever is already existing there um, versus doing something with your professional skills. And um, one thing that's kind of changing with the mission field is that countries are definitely more open to receiving people who have really specialized skills. Um, and as allied health professionals, we, we have an advantage even sometimes over other medical professions um, like um, doctors and, and um, nurses sometimes because as some countries have developed, they can supply their own um, healthcare workers in-house. Um, so they're not really looking to recruit um, as many doctors and nurses and they kind of want to keep their country closed from foreigners. But a profession that they're still looking to recruit is those um, allied health professionals because it's a bit more specialized and they're kind of advancing to wanting to take their um, medical care to that next level. So that's um, a big advantage that we have. Um, and then something that a doctor told me, he mentioned that um, one thing that's nice with allied health therapists is that we tend to have more time with our patients. Um, so doctors sometimes might only get to see them once or um, just a few times uh, for a short period of time, and then they kind of send their patients on to the next level of care. But with therapists, we really get to develop our relationship or some of these allied health positions. You get to spend a lot more time, and we have that opportunity to really build relationships with our patients, um, which is another big advantage to being able to do this as a mission. With that being said, only a very small percentage of Christian healthcare workers actually do go overseas and serve on mission. Um, and it's not because we're not um, caring or we don't want to go, but um, there's a lot of legitimate barriers to going overseas and a lot of moving pieces and things that have to come together. Um, so we'll go through some of those things. So this is kind of what my picture of a missionary looks like. You know, somebody like Kisses from Katie, who adopts like 18 kids, or Mother Teresa. And I kind of had this in my mind, and I came to this conference, and I heard the keynote speakers, and I was blown away, but also I was like, I don't relate to them. <laughs> There's such a gap between me and these amazing people who have already served. Like, how do I even get close to that level? Um, and there's just so many barriers in my mind to thinking um, that I can never get to that point. Um, so for you guys, do you have things that maybe you are thinking are barriers for you? Um, anything that maybe in your mind you know right now would be holding you back from doing a, a medical mission? I know with students, you guys kind of have um, a barrier just not having your license yet. Okay, yeah, issues with 
um, team dynamics, burnout. School loans, yes, yes. Yeah, student loans, in case you didn't hear. Anything else you guys are thinking about? Yes. Yes. So I've had to negotiate with my big boss to say, hey, is there any way I can go unpaid for some of this time if I don't have enough PTO? So having to figure out being able to get off of work is a really big deal. Right. Getting off of work. Yes. Big barrier. So this is a picture of me in Vietnam. Um, and. Here are some of the barriers that can kind of block out this picture. I did that really intentionally to make it, like, symbolic. But these are some of the things that you guys already mentioned or you may um, be thinking about. But you can see there's just a lot of things that are big hurdles and difficult um, to overcome, and we'll be going through these ones specifically, but I'll time at the end to talk through some of the other things that aren't here. Um, Lisa is a occupational therapist who did um, a short-term mission trip, trip to Peru and then eventually um, moved there to do long-term missions, and she's still there, and um, she let me share this information about her. But I wanted to contrast... Um, her and I, because we had um, very different mission experiences and how we got into missions. So, um, as someone already mentioned, with with those student loans, she waited until she had paid off her student loans, sold her condo. Um, she had 10 years of experience. Um, she learned the language, and she had done a short-term mission trip to Peru first, and so she she knew that's where she wanted to go long-term. And she went through a sending organization. Um, and with me, on the other hand, you can see it's pretty much the opposite. Um, I went with a, a ton of student debt. Uh, I had two years of experience. I connected directly with uh, the local organization, so I didn't even go through a sending organization. Um, both of us had to fundraise, and I'll talk a bit about that process. Um, but I had never even been on even a short-term mission trip before um, when I went. And, um, yeah, I hope that kind of gives you a picture of just it's, it's possible um, no matter what your situation may look like. Um, medical missions can take on so many different um, aspects and, and views and um, different avenues of getting there. So this, if you want to learn more about Lisa and her journey, she shared this, but um, this is just her website and everything. And uh, I have my resources on the um, medical missions page. So if you want um, this PowerPoint and my list of resources, it's all there. But um, it may be helpful just to get um, a real picture of what her life looks like, 
Um, this is also my website, so you can um, read my blog posts about what my therapy services looked like and what my life looked like um, while I was in Vietnam, um, so that you can just understand a little bit more of and get a better picture of what life is is like. Um, all right, let's talk about loans. So if you feel comfortable sharing, who has student loans? Yes, yeah, okay. So a decent amount, and that is a, a big barrier. And um, so like I was saying with Lisa, she wanted to be totally free of her debt before she moved overseas long term. Um, if I waited to pay off my debt, I would never have done this. Uh, it would be a long, long wait. Um, and it can feel a bit reckless to do something like this, but I'll talk a little bit more about options out there because um, I, I think, at least for me, this was not enough of a reason to not go and serve. Um, so one thing you may hear a lot about is medicine. They have a table. I don't know if you, you all have gotten to see their um, exhibit here already. This one uh, is a little bit more for, it's a little bit more tailored for medical professionals because um, they will accept allied health more on a case-by-case -case basis. So if you apply for MedSend, uh, just take that into mind is, um, being an allied health, health professional, they may um, they may have they may turn that down. So, just something to ask them about if you do go visit their exhibit. But what MedSend is is they will help pay your loans while you are on mission. They usually require a four year commitment, but they will accept even sometimes as short as a as a two year commitment. Um, for me. That was something I kept in mind because when I made my initial commitment, I committed uh, to serving for two years, and then I ended up staying a bit longer. But I think that is also a little bit of a difference between serving long-term and serving something more of this mid-mission term is knowing, okay, if I can um, handle two years of maybe not making a significant um, dent in my debt. It's, there's still ways that you can change your payment plans in order to make this possible for you to still go. And it's not like you have to be paying hundreds of dollars while you're trying to live on a missionary budget. What I did was I changed my um, payment plan. Well, it was actually already on this um, public service loan forgiveness. Have you already heard of this one? It's another one they talk about a lot. Um, so this program, um, again, I'll, I have links to this, but it's really nice because you change your payment month by month based on what your yearly salary is. So for my salary, because of how low it was, um, it was a $10 a month payment, so it was extremely manageable. And um, with this, it's a 10-year program if you're working in some type of um, public service. So most hospitals would qualify schools, and in uh, 10 years of working, then the rest of your debt is, is forgiven. So even before I did 
this mission. I was already on this payment plan, and um, it's just nice because even though I was serving overseas, that was not interrupted um, in my my um, time towards this 10-year repayment plan because my organization was a nonprofit, and um, I think all the organizations like this are probably registered nonprofits. But something you can ask about if you're looking into a specific organization. Uh, another thing to check out, uh, CMDA has scholarships, so they are not um, necessarily going to pay your loans for all that time. It might just be a lump sum of money, depending on what you qualify for, but it's another thing to check out. I include that link in my resource notes as well, but they have a booth here. I mean, they kind of have a whole section here if you haven't seen them, but that's something else you can ask them about. Um, and then the other thing I have linked in my resources, there are so many presentations done here that are on how to navigate your student loans and still go on missions. So I pulled out a few of those, but you've probably already seen or maybe attended some of the presentations already that address this. Um, so that will give you more information as well. Okay, this also, um, this perspectives course... Um, they have a booth here as well. But if you are worried about a lack of mission experience, um, which I didn't have any mission experience before I went, this is a nice place to start because they are giving you a course. And it's an extensive course. Um, you can think of it kind of um, like a college course because it's um, over 15 weeks. But they will be just talking about kind of the global Christian um, movement and how to serve as a missionary um, more broadly, not necessarily specific to a medical mission, but it's a really good foundation. And I knew about this um, after I went overseas, but there are um, there's an organization here, InterServe. They require this as something you have to take before you go on a long-term mission through them. Um, and another missionary I met over in Vietnam, she had taken this, so the word's out about this. I think it's... I think it's good, um, and something else you can check out here. Um, yeah, so again, with um, my mission experience, I didn't have any, but I think just thinking about this whole concept, you'll hear so many times throughout the conference, but being a mission, um, a missionary always throughout your everyday life, and so much of that is going to translate into um, what you're doing overseas. And the, the other details your sending organization um, can provide and will equip you with uh, before you go. Lack of a team. So this can be something people worry about is, okay, well, if I go, am I going to be the only practitioner there in my field? Um, for me, I was the only... I was the only person there at all, um, so definitely something I was a little bit concerned about before I moved to Vietnam, but there, there's just a lot of things that I was able to do to still support myself um, as I was there, but a lot of positions, especially ones through sending organization, they are going to be with a team. It might not be um, a lot of people in your specific 
field, but usually you are going to be paired with other healthcare workers um, who are working in the same facility, working along beside you, who already have experience and can help you navigate some of those things um, that you may be worried about. Um, and then some organizations, they also provide mentors virtually, meaning they'll have people who maybe have served in medical missions before, and they will um, – it's another opportunity for service as well if, um, if that's something you're thinking about, if you've already served on mission. But they are somebody you can kind of call as a helpline, and they can help you problem-solve and work through, and they'll be related to your specific um, field. For me, um, I just gathered people from my own circle of people that I talked to beforehand, and I said, hey, if you are uh, willing, would you let me contact you now and then about patients? And that was really helpful because I would just email or call them, and they would help me talk through some things. And then um, additionally, just having um, – a spiritual team as well. So thinking about, okay, even if I'm going to be alone in my profession, who can I bring around me that's going to help me spiritually? Because going, going on mission, I think as almost like if you are competing in a marathon or something, you're going to fuel a little bit differently. And I think about missions a little bit in that same way where um, okay, you know you are going to have to expend more energy, um, so you need to be filled um, a little bit more than um, maybe this, in the same way that um, you have your day-to-day -day job here. So before I left, I, um, I asked people who are close to me just to be praying for me, and when I was over in Vietnam, I found other people who could come alongside me and um, walk closely in my spiritual walk because, um, again, uh, as someone mentioned, that burnout um, can definitely happen because you, you really do just need to um, make sure that you're keeping yourself filled when you are putting out so much. Okay, so this um, is also something I really didn't have much of when I left. Um, and a lot of the allied health opportunities are going to require about as much experience as I had, which was two years. So one to two years of experience is usually what I found is, is the minimal requirement. And partly that's because with our degrees in the U.S., we have a bit more training than what um, their countries require for experiment, experience, and we just have a higher level of education than um, a lot of the places that we'll be going. So countries are okay with you not having as much experience because you have that training that they need. Um, and I think this is an advantage of being in allied health is that with a doctor, um, I don't think you can really just go in and wing a surgery, but with therapy, we kind of know, or um, with some other allied health professions, I can't, I can't speak too broadly, but at least the therapy, um, we know how not to do harm. And even if maybe we're not providing um, the top-notch care, it's at least something that's so much better than what they could be getting or, or they're just not getting at all. So something to keep in mind. Um, and I already mentioned 
having those mentors that your organization might provide um, that you probably will have a team to work with. I really relied heavily on doing continuing ed classes because there's so many virtual classes online um, that are awesome, and it really helped me just, okay, even if I don't have somebody to ask, I can just take a class and then hopefully draw something out of that, and that was really beneficial um, to me. I had so many continuing ed credits by the time that uh, I was done with my service there. And then another thing that I also found helpful is just connecting with other missionaries and trying to follow their blogs or whatever their mission updates may be, their email lists. So this is a great time, this conference, to try to connect with whoever you can. But go to your home church. Um, churches usually have international missions. See if um, you can get on their email lists or, or meet with missionaries who may be home for a time being because just being able to sit and talk and ask your questions, um, it's it's really, really beneficial. And Lisa was that person for me as well as a, a few others um, that helped me just to really visualize what I was going into and how I could prepare before I actually moved overseas. Okay, then fundraising. So this one is usually pretty intimidating for people. Um, I fundraised about half of my total budget before I moved overseas. That took me about six months. Uh, Lisa, she took about, I think it was um, two or three years before she ended up moving. And that was also because she was trying to pay off loans and sell her condo. But there, there was a pretty big um, difference. And, I mean, that could be something... To, to consider in, in planning because this part may take a long time. But if you are going through a sending organization, they are um, going to be helping you all along the way. So a lot of organizations will have a service that are um, fundraising coaches and somebody will be assigned to you. They'll be working closely with you so that you have uh, goals that you have to meet and just somebody keeping you accountable and and working and pushing forward to continue raising your funds because it's it's possible. It just takes time and persistence and just asking a lot of people. So they will um, talk you through that. I personally didn't have a fun, uh, fundraising coach, um, but I think that's another thing that was really confirming for me was how quickly my, my funds did come together. Um, not that that's going to be anybody's experience necessarily, but it was really confirming to me that God wanted me to go and wanted me to go soon. Um, so that's something else that can just, I think, help in the whole process of moving overseas because that is is a big deal. And to, to have that confidence that this is where God is leading you is is really nice too. So, yeah, I think there's... There's definitely some um, red flags when people think about having to fundraise. I saw it as a really positive part of my um, mission experience. And then also, if you aren't well connected with your church, try to get connected. Because they just dropped 10% of my, um, my fundraising goal 
when I just asked them, and I really did not have to do much. I, I grew up in this church here, um, so I think they kind of knew me, but it it was really huge just to have 10% just taken care of like that. And um, some churches even have a bigger amount of their budget that they're willing to um, give to missionaries going out of their church. So keep them in mind, too. Okay, this one, commitment issues. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I have a hard time with commitment, um, especially when it think, when I'm thinking about years of my life, um, a country I haven't lived before, thinking about leaving everybody back here. And I was talking with um, somebody from InterServe, one of the organizations represented here, and she was just telling me about how um, this this commitment piece of missions is changing a lot. So maybe a few decades ago, if somebody was thinking about doing a long-term mission, they would be thinking about life, um, just packing up everything, leaving your life behind your in your home country, and resettling. And now, um, especially in medical missions, the opportunities are um, all over the board for how long of a of a mission that you might go on. And actually, it's it's a good idea to keep flexibility in mind for your um, how long you think you're going to be serving in that particular mission because things change fast. Um, the mission that you're working in can change fast. And um, not necessarily that you're going to work over there and then suddenly have that mission um yanked out behind you or under you, but it might be something where your role changes as your um, as your time there and your work there develops. So it's kind of actually um, a good thing to be thinking, okay, well, maybe I want to um, go here long term, but um, with the idea that it it might it, you know it might not last for a long term as um, as that project develops. Um, but another thing the um, woman from InterServe was sharing with me is that a lot of people now, if they're thinking about long-term missions, their timeline might be around five years um, and, and even sometimes shorter, um, just, just a few years. And um, this whole concept of a marketplace worker ties into that. So has anybody heard that term before, marketplace worker? Yes. Yeah, some of you. Okay. Um, this is another way to really expedite the process of moving overseas and having a commitment um, that maybe you might feel more comfortable with if you're just thinking about, um, okay, this is my first time going overseas and I'm not ready to commit my my whole life necessarily to one place or, or one mission. Um, and I'll talk more about marketplace workers. This one is probably the number one barrier for people. It, it definitely was for me. And I, I left um, single, so that was a little less complicated for me. But I know many people have spouses um, or maybe they have family members that they're responsible in that, that person's care. So that can be a significant barrier for them. Um, but one advantage was... When I was telling my family, it, it really helped them to know that I was committing for two years, so even less than going away to college or something like that. Um, they 
they really kind of latched on to me having a deadline. Um, and um, another thing is most places will have an opportunity for um, you to go home. Mine was every year I got to go home for a month, and that was pretty flexible about when I could go home, so I chose that based on being in friends' weddings or going home for Christmas. Um, just a lot of places, they'll, they'll want you to stay for a full year before you go home for the first time, and that's so you can really um, settle into your, your mission and position and everything and um, not kind of go through that um, upheaval of, being taken away from when leaving family again. But um, all the positions that I know, they do account for um, a budgeted trip home. So part of your fundraising or if you are salaried or stipend, part of that will go towards you getting to go home. Um, and I just think about, too, how, how much te technology helps. Um, I was in Vietnam, but the Wi-Fi was great. And it was really easy to connect with family in so many different ways. And um, it just makes it feel um, less, less far away from your family. Um, sometimes I would just, I would call up my family and they would be there on Skype or whatever. And I would just kind of be doing my thing. They'd be doing their thing and it'd be like a five hour call. But they were just kind of there. So it kind of just feels like you're, you're spending time together still. And then... Something that is just such a blessing about going overseas is the new communities that are going to form around you. Um, the relationships that I had with other people, um, not just locals, but other expatriates, so other people who have moved um, from somewhere else into Vietnam, um, we kind of did life together because we all went to the same stores. We kind of all complained about the same things. We went to the same church because um, there was only one. We um, most of the time spent holidays together because nobody has other friends or family anywhere close. So you just get really, really close um, to other people. Um, and that was something that was just so amazing to me for how abundant um, – relationships are when um, I did leave behind my really close relationships here. And I know that is not necessarily every mission experience, um, but, but that was mine, and I do think that you will find um, some unique bonds that form with um, other people overseas. And then also what was really nice is that um, you may have a lot of friends and family that want to come visit you. So um, this one here, my brother Miles, um, he's on the slide. He came and visited me. Um, other therapist friends, they they were really drawn to being able to work and see um, the therapy clinic. So they wanted to come. So that part was really nice, too, because now we have these amazing memories together Um working in, in Vietnam and um, just the, the unique opportunities that come from that. So safety and health concerns. Um, this is another one that uh, if you're not worried about it, probably somebody in your family is. Um, and if you're a student, your parents are probably the ones. And um, if you start talking about moving overseas or going to some of these closed countries, that's going to be um, probably a red flag for them right away. Um, but I think one thing that was surprising to me was um, how, 
how my perceptions about other countries and the safety concerns that I had um, were kind of ill-founded. Um, so there are definitely, and you'll hear from other speakers here, countries where there's a lot of safety concerns. Um, but for a lot of opportunities in allied health, um, for them to have a hospital where they actually can be stable enough to um, want to bring in allied health workers, they're um, in a decently stable place in their economy and, um, and their political stability. And that's something else that you'll be able to talk to about specific organizations. Um, and even if a country uh, seems dangerous as a whole, a lot of these um, opportunities and where these facilities are, they're usually in a safe place because they don't want their building to be destroyed. They build this clinic and then um, and then it's not even there the next week. So they may be in specific areas of the city or country where they're going to be able to um, have something that's lasting. So another thing to think about. The um, Smart Traveler Enrollment Program this is specific to the U.S., but it sounds like mostly people are from the U.S. here. Um, that's something that I enrolled in. It's just with the U.S. Embassy so that you can get whatever travel alerts or safety alerts that are going on within the country. You'll get access to that right away. And so this was really helpful during COVID because when COVID hit and it hit quicker in Vietnam than over here, but they were just providing um, flights for U.S. citizens out of the country and keeping us um, – alert on everything that was going on. So that was really nice just to be able to have that to navigate. So we're going to play a little game now. So you can stand up and stretch too if you want to. But this is just to um, give you an opportunity to um, guess which country is uh, more dangerous. So we'll be doing a little comparison, but it's based off of the Global Peace Index. These are in 2021 uh, statistics. Um, so let's play a game. All right, so... U.S. versus Vietnam, so my situation. Um, anybody who thinks the U.S. is more dangerous? <laughs> yeah, and to, it's, 2000, it's 2021 data, so some things have gotten worse in recent years. But, yeah, so Vietnam was definitely the safer country. Um, all right, U.S. and Brazil. Who thinks the U.S. is more dangerous? All right, who thinks Brazil is more dangerous? So it's actually the U.S. is more dangerous still on that one. All right, the U.S. versus Kenya. U.S. more dangerous? Kenya. It's actually the U.S. still. <laughs> Maybe seeing a theme. All right, um, this one is the UAE, so United Arab Emirates, versus France. Who thinks UAE? Who thinks France? You guys are catching on. <laughs> I mean, these are just my, these were my perceptions, so I'm not making assumptions about you all, but. Um, okay. Germany versus Malaysia. Germany? Malaysia? Germany is more dangerous. Okay. And then this one, I'll give you a hint. Um, it's Qatar for Spain, and they're right next to each other on the, um, on the list of dangerous countries. But um, Qatar or Spain? 
it is um, Spain. So anyway, um, I I was not um, educated at all about this um, before. So just something to kind of keep in mind and maybe ease some concerns of family members. These are some other safety and health concerns. I'll just um, talk about a few of them. But with my healthcare in Vietnam, um, it was actually pretty good. Um, I had an international insurance plan, which I linked um, where I got my plan um, in my resources. But um, I have friends who had their babies in Vietnam. Um, I went to the dentist and doctor, paid out of pocket, really cheap, the pharmacy really cheap. Uh, I never met my deductible in um, Vietnam. Um, so it was actually pretty good. And with um, some of the opportunities in these allied health um Positions, you'll probably find that they have pretty good access to health care as well. Um, and just a special note to women, of course, we have more concerns. And definitely in Vietnam, um, I ran into some issues just with harassment. And being a foreigner, I was more of a target, as were my friends. It didn't matter if you were with a group of people. Um, it, you know, things can happen. So it helps to try to blend in with the local culture a little bit, but just being smart and maybe maybe your family will feel better if you take a self-defense class or something like that. Um, with COVID, uh, I know some people might be thinking, okay, well, so many people are being sent home um, right now because of COVID-related issues, so how can we even be thinking about um, going overseas right now? Um, and as... An allied health worker, you may be able to get visas that um, tourists might not be able to get. So don't think of that as a barrier. Just talk to your sending organization about, or um, sending organizations that you're considering. Just talk to them about those specific concerns. God's will. This one was something I really wanted to just hear God's voice before um, I made the commitment to go overseas. And I, I came to realize I was thinking about it a little bit in the wrong way, um, wanting to, to know God's will versus doing God's will. So I'm going to read two passages, and then I'll explain a little bit about what that meant. Um, oops. Sorry, I'm just going to get my notes here. First Kings 19:11 through 13. Um, but Samuel replied, "Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord?" To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Um, and this is God speaking to Elijah. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. What this means to me is um, sometimes God will and has um, spoken to me in very specific ways. And usually it's when I don't want to do what he's asking me to do. Um, And other times it is more like this gentle whisper of following that still small voice in obedience day by day in little small moments and leading into maybe a medical mission or wherever God might be calling you. And I think um, that might be encouraging to some people just to think about it in that way of um, you don't necessarily have to know since you were born that you were going to go work in Africa or you may not know um, what kind of um, service you're called into, but if you're walking in obedience to God um, just in the little ways that he's calling to you right now, um, I think there's going to be a natural leading into where he calls you to be, um, including when it comes to making some really big decisions like this. And there's a reason that you all signed up for this conference. Um, there's not necessarily a lot of people who are interested in this type of work, um, so if you are, are drawn to it, there's um, been a desire that's placed in your heart for a reason, whatever that capacity of involvement might look like. So listen to that. Try to pursue that. Um, talk to God about that. These are just some questions that I included that might be helpful in your thinking process. There's no right or wrong answers, but these are questions that I was asking myself Um, when I was considering moving overseas. And I think it's important to to, um, think about these things because when you go overseas, you want to make sure your motivation is going to sustain you. And if it's um, built on something like, I want... I want an adventure. I want to change. Um, I'm tired of my job here, um, or I just uh, I want to do something big for God. Or some of these things they they may um, they may not be enough once you're actually there and you're um, faced with your day to day life there, and maybe some of the excitement has worn off and you're missing home and. Um, or maybe, like with me, God was calling me to turn my, my deadline over to him, and I ended up extending. But um, it had to be from a place where my core motivation for being there was not, um, was not uh, something to do with um, something more superficial. It had to be something that was backed up by, um, by God's plan for me. So, like I mentioned, I didn't have this um, voice in the night of God telling me, go to Vietnam. But in hindsight, I see how he led me there. Um, And I think that is something important when you're thinking about making a leap of faith, is that um, you will be able to see the bigger picture in hindsight, but um, being able to respond to him and step out in in faith, um, maybe that that first that first part and that first step for you, um, and just understanding that 
this may feel like you're going all alone, you're, you're doing something, um, but really you're so connected in the body of Christ. There will be people who are supporting you, praying for you, um, helping you on either end in, in this country and the, the next. So let's jump into opportunities a little bit. This will be a little bit shorter because a lot of um, the opportunities that I pulled together, I specifically picked organizations that are here at the conference. So at least you can get a picture of um, what their opportunities are, and then you can just go to a booth and and speak to them yourself, get connected, or um, be able to check out their website and, and talk to them in the future. But this is just a breakdown of what the opportunity types might look like. Um, There's opportunities for students, for educators, so somebody maybe with a lot of years of experience who um, can go and and teach local people. Um, Mentors, so like I mentioned, being somebody that somebody overseas can call for for advice. There are volunteer opportunities. Um, There's marketplace workers, and that is somebody who will um, have a paid salary and they'll make a contract with the the hospital or the institution where they're um, serving, just like you would make a a job um, position would have an offer that you would accept in the U.S. It's very similar to that. Um, And you might be able to just get out there a bit quicker um, because a lot of times you don't necessarily have to learn the language first or do extensive um, preparation training because you have the training that you need to be in this position, which is um, your license. And then um, another thing I was talking to um, somebody sitting over here uh, just about this, but how you may be able to create your own opportunities. So a lot of um, teams who are out there are looking for allied health workers. And if you can even just connect with some of them, they might be like, yes, absolutely, we have a need for you. Um, So just thinking out of the box a little bit with that. If there's an organization that you have your eye on, but maybe they don't have an allied health opportunity yet, just ask. Um, some, some features of allied health opportunities, again, kind of like I mentioned, it may be a whole range of things. We tend to think of, um, or at least I tend to think of medical missions as more of um, people um, needing somebody in um, more of an impoverished country, but uh, a lot of opportunities may be in very wealthy countries, and they're, they're looking to expand and promote their health care to, to be... Um, on par with something where people would go for medical tourism. So they really want to be um, top-notch, and their country is, is wealthy, but maybe they're close to Christianity. So there's this huge opportunity for missions. It just might be with a different um, population than maybe you're expecting. This is a table of the organizations, just some organizations here that have allied health opportunities. So um, Mercy, Mercy Ships, OMF, InterServe, CMDA, Scatter Global, which there is a Scatter Global representative here today if you have any questions. Um, he has a lot of marketplace worker type of positions. And Orphan Voice, which is where I served, and their, um, their criteria, they have a stipend now, so it's not just a purely volunteer position like when, when I went over there. But um, again, this is in my resources if you want to look at that. 
The last thing I want to talk about is faith sharing on missions. So all of this um, and all of these opportunities look so different, and the countries where you may be serving look so different, but the heart of it is absolutely the same. It just may look um, different depending on where you're serving and how open the country is to to Christianity. Um, but it's so important to to keep in mind and just be thinking about um, because you might be thinking, oh, well, if I'm a marketplace worker and, and I'm getting paid and it's a, a regular hospital, like how is that? How is that being a missionary? Um, so or if like I'm in a closed country and I, I can't do anything related to church planting or sharing, sharing my faith, how does that work? And is one uh, opportunity more of a legitimate um, medical mission than some of these other opportunities. And I would say no. Um, it just um, may look very different depending where, on um, what you're doing. But a lot of what we do to, um, to share our faith is, is by showing our faith. And um, so, so much of that comes down to the day-to-day decisions that you're making. Uh, when I was in Vietnam, I kind of took for granted that people um, value kids with um, disabilities, even if they have a disability, that shouldn't make a difference. Or um, that just the way that I interacted with the kids was how everybody treats kids, or how everybody values kids. And I quickly t- came to realize that is not the case, and that really stood out to the parents in ways that I just would not have anticipated. Um, so I think we can underestimate just what an impact it can make to be a Christian in these positions and be praying for these patients by name. Um, but that being said, intentionality is important. Um, I think just like if you are thinking about how can I show my faith to my coworkers or my um, co-students, like here in the U.S., it's, it's the same thing. Even though you know you're there on mission, you still have to be really intentional about it and, and just um, what that can look like. Um, and then also thinking about who it is that you are trying to um, be on mission for because there's not only your patients, but there are also other expatriates in the community who may be very, very far from God um, that you're going to be making friends with um, and forming those really close relationships with that I was talking about. Um, If you fundraise, you may be reporting back to your funders, and that is an amazing testimony for them because there will be people who will donate to you that aren't necessarily Christians, and you get to share that part um, of of your motivation for being in this country in the first place, and that really catches people's attention, um, whereas um, another another type of um, faith sharing may not. Um, and and just thinking about the other Christians who are there, it is so nice to have other Christians with you in a country that maybe um, Christians are a very small minority. So just being able to strengthen and support each other and help each other from um, going into burnout. So last thing, um, on a country or on a scale of one to ten, um, how interested are you? In medical missions, you can kind of pick a, a number in your head. But if you're if you're on the higher end of that scale, and I think 
if you're here at all, you have some interest, um, then you're going to want to do something about it and pursue that because you, you have that interest for a reason. So right now at this conference, you're probably motivated and interested and thinking about all these opportunities. Um, but by next week, you'll be in your routine and going about your every day. And it's so hard to um, keep that kind of excitement when you might be the only one in your class or at your workplace who's even thinking about something like this. So um, just try to think about maybe one thing that I've talked about that um, interested you and put in your phone for next week. Okay, I'm going to look that up next week, or I'm going to spend time with God praying about this next week, or I'm going to um, go on this website, or uh, somebody that I've made a connection with, I'm going to talk to them next week. But just try to do something like a week from now after the conference is over um, just to set yourself a goal to keep this momentum going. Um, that's all I have for you today because we're out of time. I can keep talking forever. But like I said, I have lots of resources. Um, if you have any questions, we still have a couple minutes. Um, and you can also email me as well. I'm happy to um, stay in contact, and I would love just to connect with you guys because um, I think this is a really special community of people. Thank you so much for coming and for listening. And you guys are free to leave, but if anyone has any questions, feel free. Yes. It was COVID-related. Um, I was, I had been kind of in this place of not knowing when I was going to come back because God had made it really clear to t- turn over my deadline to him. So I was praying about it. Um, COVID had happened. Uh, so there was that. But um, the biggest conflict for me was one of my brothers is in the military, and he was going to be moving overseas. And because of COVID, if I came home to try to be with my family before he left, um, I wouldn't be able to get back into Vietnam. So I was thinking, well, you know, it's already been a year since I've been home. Am I going to just push this off indefinitely? What's going to happen with this? And um, so it was actually a really big struggle because we didn't have somebody to replace my position if I if I did leave, especially since the borders were closed. And I just had this huge conflict in my heart of, okay, where is my um, priority here, my family or um, the therapy center? And um, it just felt so um, hard to have a clear answer for something like that because um, both of those things are good. Um, both of those things are important in God's eyes, too. Um, and I really didn't know what to do. And um, I wrote about this, but <laughs> if you want more details about it, but it was um, a huge, huge struggle t- for me um, to decide what I was going to do. And I just had to keep turning it over to God and not make a decision, not make a decision. And finally, um, I got this call one day. It was from a doctor at my church, and he said, I have a patient who needs emergency brain surgery. Um, But because of COVID, they didn't have somebody to be a medical escort for him to get him back to the States. And um, so he said, you know, it's really, really unlikely that 
that will need you because we're going to try to find somebody, but like, would you be willing to be on this list? And you can kind of see where this is going. But <laughs> I got called up and they said, well, you, you, you know, leave in three days and take this patient back to the U.S. And so I really believe that, um, that I was, um, planned to be part of this man's story. Um, that we were that we were connected in that way, and um, he was just he prepared me so far in advance to wait for this right time so that I could be there for him, and that he could come back to the U.S. with somebody and get his surgery. Um, and he's doing great, um, and please pray for him. But um, yeah, somebody that now um, I've gotten to connect with, and hopefully um, that. His story with God is not is not done yet; that it's um, just beginning. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'd love to hear your story. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. So it's still um, the borders are still closed. I wouldn't be able to get in there. I'm currently doing this fellowship, which is till um, July of next year. So after that, I'll kind of see. But really, it's just going to be God's will. And he he is so faithful and leads me and knows exactly what I need, what my family needs, um, and, and where he has an opportunity for me to serve. So I'm open to anything. Yes? So out of curiosity, did that patient... No, but very. That's a really interesting question. Um, I'm very interested. At the fellowship that I'm doing is with a focus in neurology, and um, so yes, I definitely saw patients uh, like him in my fellowship. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things that I um, would never have expected would have brought me home. Um, but it, yeah, it did, and um, it's it's really great knowing people like him are getting such amazing care in the U.S. and just how we can keep bringing that out to so many people around the world that we have the skills. Okay. Well, any other questions, you can let me know. But thank you again so much. And I will, um, yeah, be around if you all want to chat. But feel free to leave. (laughs) 